That was some powerful worship, eh? Um, if you ever, you ever wondered why when we sing songs about grace or when we, um, just like what we sang where it says, here I am, arms wide open, uh, and, and the concept sometimes isn't lost on me um, to think that grace is something that you have to be fully surrendered to. Uh, grace is something that um, you can't that you you can't put any release is all self control. Um, I think of running into grace with arms wide open sometimes is falling into a pool. You know, you ever see those stupid YouTube people, and I mean that in every sense of the word, just stand at the edge of a pool or jump off the like the high dives and they just go in arms wide open. That's what God is calling us with grace too. Saying grace releases all of your hopes, all of your uh, all of your desires, all of your all of your shame, all of your hurt, all of your sorrow. And it says just God just simply speaks to you and he says, let me immerse you. Uh, let me immerse you in, in the grace that God gives. Um, to be honest, I've spent this, I, I've really truly spent this whole week uh, digging in and, and studying. I didn't even know we were going to sing that song. And it kind of goes with uh, the, the theme of the message, but the, the power of grace. What does it mean? What does the power of grace uh, mean? I, I, think, I think it's a, as Christians and in this world, uh, I truly uh, and honestly think that grace is a tragically undervalued piece of our Christian life. I think for the most part, Christians stay skin deep with grace. Uh, I, I've studied it uh, I, uh, over, over the past, uh, really dug in over the past few months. Um, it's been a, a, study that I, a, a study that I look at, uh, a word that I've looked at, Often and today, um, I ask. I, I've. I, I ask that we come in um, with open hearts. The grace I hope that you guys extend to me is this: is a sermon that I don't. It, I, I've been and become very honest with. Um, the The face of it is very, um, very purposeful. Um, if you don't know anything about me, there's, uh, I, <laughs> you get, might get a kick out of this. Uh, I was approached by two different groups or part of two different conversations at my new job. And they were like, how are you liking it here? And it's like, oh, I'm good. I feel like I'm fitting in. They're like, yeah, I, mo for the most part, they're like, but you're really serious. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it caught me off guard, and I laughed because I thought they were joking. I was like, aha. And they were like, no, like, you, 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 you don't joke, joke around a whole lot. And I was like, so the only thing I could muster up in both conversations was, uh, I was like, just give it time. Just, I'm, just give it time. Just, just give it time. But... Uh, they, they didn't even, we were, we were I was uh, talking about our pastor, my father, uh, coming through a surgery, and they're like, oh, a couple of people are like, oh, how's he doing? It's like, oh, good, I'm sending him food, you know, I'm sending him like pizza and Chinese food and cheesecake, and they looked at me, and they were like, well, that's really mean because he can't have it, and I was like, guys, it's a joke, and they were like, oh, I don't think we've heard you talk like that before. And I was like, what? But, I, um, but that's all to say, um, this, is, this is a word, this is a, this is a message that um, is concentrate, concentrated for me on looking within yourself, looking within your heart, looking within your, your, your mind and saying, am I taking this word seriously? Am I, use it, am I defining it right? Am I looking at it in my life well enough to where, uh, and correctly enough to where I've not only applied it, but it can be shown through me and it can be seen through me 
And because of the grace that's in my life and the proper application I have with it, others benefit from it as well. Our scripture today is going to be very simple. Um, what I've learned from both my grandfather and, and my dad and overhearing them preach their whole life is um, scripture, scripture, scripture. Um, I've concentrated our scripture today in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, and we're just going to focus on six or seven verses today. Six or seven verses that I think exemplify and amplify God's grace. The importance that I want us to, to get out of this today is, is grace is not what we want to define it as. It's not a word that you simply put your own twist on. God's grace is much deeper. God's grace is much more powerful. God's grace extends unequivocally, practice that word a few times. There, to me, there's very few words in the Bible that stands as its equal because it personifies our, our everyday life, our every breath or every moment. It's what we've been given. 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, and verse 6 says, Therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying, uh, laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Verse 8, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or, or, or of me, his prisoner, instead. Share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He saved us and called us with, his holy call, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own power and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death uh, and has brought life and immortality to the light uh, through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a, a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know, this part gets me every time I read it, because I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Verse 13 says, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The first thing I want to ask you today to answer within yourself is as you studied scripture, as you studied Paul's, Paul's writing, if you've gone through the book of James, have they sh are there times where they are... <laughs> Do they sugar, sugarcoat the truth of Jesus Christ? So many times in our lives, we get offended by truth. As I start this off, can I be 100% transparent, transparent to you? There are times where speaking truth gets Christians in trouble. Cancel culture is all around us. We can speak the truth in love. We can speak grace. We can live grace. We can live life. And grace tells us we don't have to be ashamed of the truth that we know to be fact. When we look at it, when we look at this set of verses, this passage, it brings up some questions. What does, what does the power of grace mean? Why have we been given so much grace and continue to be given grace? Being honest with you, I struggle with the conversation of grace. I really do. I feel like if I'm talking to an unbeliever about grace, they'll hear an excuse for me to continue to mess up time and time and time again. When I talk to believers, I feel like we have a conversation thinking we can just do whatever we want and we stand in God's grace. The goal today is to understand and believe and, conv and be convinced that we need God's grace, that we probably abuse God's grace, and our goal should be not to abuse God's grace. The fact is, we will need to turn to grace. Maybe you're here today and the idea of God's grace, Christian, shames you. Maybe where you struggle with grace 
is have to admit to, to a higher power, to somebody to pray, or just to admit in general that you have sin in your life. The idea of sin in your life it, it shames you. Let me tell you today, Christian, in the quietness of the moment, grace is, is, is relentless in its pursuit of you. The fact is, our hearts, uh, our hearts need God's grace. The fact is, our lives need God's grace. Our marriages, our friendships need it. As we ponder and think uh, on, on this past week, uh, the tragedy that's going in, the, the disagreements, is this a time for, for us as Christians to hop online and become Facebook warriors once again and prove our point? I, I've seen so many, I mean, and it's almost unbelievable to me right now to see so many, uh, so many fire, like Christians fire back on the ideas of thoughts and prayers from this past week. Oh, it's empty. It's, it doesn't do a thing. It doesn't do, man, if you as a Christian honestly believe that the grace of God can't be poured out on people that we will never probably meet in our lives through prayer, I'm going to tell you straight up, no sugarcoating it. You can get as mad at me as you want. You have no idea what Christianity is all about. You have no idea what the truth of the Bible is. And I refuse to be held back, uh, to, to hold back and, and, and be made to feel bad for speaking the truth about people who want to limit God's grace. God's grace is not for us to, is not for us to bottle in and, and, and keep just like our faith, just like salvation. God's grace, if intended for your life, your, your, your husband, your wife, your relationships, your everyday life, it's intended for the person sitting next to you and it's for the person sitting down in Texas or Buffalo, New York right now struggling because they've lost somebody that they love. And how dare us limit the grace of God by saying, just because those people won't hear our prayers, I shouldn't. Yet, what we can do is go on Facebook and social media and have these outrageous, unloving, on either side of the table, guys, and I mean this with all my heart, on either side of the table, these unloving conversations that show no grace and make no kingdom difference just to prove our points. See what I'm saying? Grace doesn't have to prove a point. We as humans want to prove our point. If we as humans are flawed and grace is a concept that's not flawed, guess who needs to change, not what needs to change? Today, I hopefully simply, I don't even know if I said that. <laughs> Let me start that sentence over. Today, I hope to simply look into what grace can do for you. Grace in Christian theology is defined as this, the spontaneous, unmerited gift of the divine favor in the salvation of sinners and the divine influence operating in individuals for, for, the re, for their regeneration and sanctification. What does that mean? Who is it for? To whom should it be applied? These are tough questions we must answer. Before we, before we ever correctly show grace and live grace, we must be able to, to properly, biblically, spiritually, godly, define it ourselves. But not just define it, we must understand how to properly apply it. For knowledge without proper application is a wasted life. Let's pray. Dear God, as we dig into things, God, I pray that my words uh, will come across um, sincere, God, I pray that you will take any thought of what, you want, what I want to say and fill it with what you want me to say, God. I pray that we will be receptive, God. I pray that as a church, local and universal, God, I pray that we, we will start to understand what grace, what grace is, and we're not going to solve it in 45 minutes. We're not going to solve it in 30 minutes, an hour. But God, grace is such an important piece to changing this world, changing our world. God, I pray that you will shine through us, you will be glorified, uh, and you will be amplified through us. 
Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing I see about grace is grace should be accepted and received by everyone. I believe that those two words have two different meanings. Accepted, I, uh, our, our pastor, when he talks about salvation, uh, always talks about Christmas presents, right? Talks about the Christmas present being under the tree. You can accept it, but until you take it into ownership of you, you can even have it in your hands, but until you say it's mine, it's not yours. I believe some Christians have accepted grace, but they haven't allowed grace to be received in their life. They haven't allowed it to be delivered. Timothy's problem, believe it or not, was cowardice. As Paul's writing to him, he says, don't be ashamed to preach what I have taught you and don't be ashamed of me. This is a thing that, that, that we as Christians do know about, our, uh, uh, about grace, right? Grace covers all of our past. It, the, the blood of Jesus uh, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Where we limit grace is we allow grace to shame our present, which then hinders our future. See, if you truly accepted God's grace, your past and your, your, your struggles and your mistakes and, and your, uh, the, the way you've hurt people and the things you've done wouldn't hold you back. They'd be part of an amazing testimony that God can then take and use to change eternity. But what we do is we allow our past, and, and, and today's Christians, especially today's Christians, rely so much on what we like to call self-help, self-healing. Well, <laughs> I've got my digital Bible here. I would challenge anybody to say, where does your Bible show you to self-help? Quite the opposite, the, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Bible says, for I am crucified with Christ, and nevertheless, I live. And it's not I, but Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live is not, and this is, this is a big part of grace that I think we need to accept and understand right here. The life that I now live is not for me, but it's from the one who loves me and gave himself for me. So his grace says, let go of your desire to find your own path to, to, to healing. The path that you need to cling to is a path that is embedded with the blood of Jesus Christ from the cross that he hung on to die for your sins. We can accept grace and we can accept his unmerited gift of salvation, his unwavering, his unlosable gift of salvation but what Paul is telling Timothy is when you allow Paul's past, when you allow yourself to hold back from God's grace, that makes you a coward. When you allow your past to control your present and your future, it's cowardice. I suggest Christians today need to look at the, the, the word grace in the face, in their mirror, whatever it is, every day. Paul is telling Timothy here not to be ashamed of the message God has given him to speak. Speaking the truth for what the Bible says is not an easy thing today, as we've talked, as, as we mentioned already. Cancel culture is everywhere. It, it, it's crazy, it, you know, it's, it's crazy to... It's crazy to think about. It's crazy. I don't know about you as a Christian. There are times where I feel like I have to walk on eggshells around other Christians, and it's not, again, it's not speaking my truth. Speak my truth. It's speaking, I, I feel like I have to walk on eggshells speaking biblical truth. Oh, it offended somebody. Oh, oh, it offended somebody. I, I'm, offended that, I'm offended that you told this person that they needed to get, you know, they, they needed to get more involved in church or that, being at church consistently is, is you know, is a, a biblical commandment or, you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, whatever, just, I'm offended by that. Why? <laughs> We're reading, it's biblical truth that Paul's looking at Timothy. He doesn't just say, you need to do this. He calls him a coward for limiting the grace of God. 
many Christians today would hear that said to them, oh, well, I have to find another church and walk out the door. Grace says, I can, I can sit in front of somebody and hear something that's, that may be hard to hear, and then I can go seek God on how to apply that. Listen, I, July 7th will be around 20 years that our pastor has been here and that, I, I, that I, I've been blessed to be able to serve at New Life. I started at 18 years old. Um, it's tough to be taken seriously at times. There were times where I was trying to prove myself to people. I, I've said that I, I, I'm... <laughs> I feel old when I, I'm going to start to feel old when I say this type of stuff. I know I'm not as old as our pastor, but um, that's because <laughs> he's my dad and it, he kind of has to be older. But, um, but I could care less about human approval. I, I remember sitting down with, with our pastor when we started taking our teens to church camp. It's like, I have so many ideas. I have so many things. I just want... Youth Pastor X that's been doing it for 30 years, and Youth Pastor X that's been doing it for 20 years. And this cool guy who, you know, has no eyebrows and he's bald and he's got all these cool tattoos. I just want him to, I just want him to like me. I just want him to see that, I, that I'm serious about serving God and doing things to win their approval to get them to follow me. Uh, not, to get them to realize that I want to I be their peer. I want to serve God alongside with them. Can I be honest with you? It took, me, it, it took me a couple years to realize God's grace and God's calling on my life isn't based on your approval of how you think I should live for God. God's grace in my life, listen, I'll be honest, I... I, I I, I'm, I'm not somebody that's offended easily, probably because I don't, <laughs> I don't stop talking enough to hear somebody offend me. Um, <laughs> but as somebody that I've met at Xfinity and talked to for two hours, I can hear her laugh the loudest. But, <laughs> um, but I've heard some tough things. I, I, I'll be honest, I've sat through meetings where, where I've, I've had people speak truth. Uh, even today, I've had... Uh, some of our deacons speak truth and boldness to me. But you know what I understood about their words? They were covered in grace. They weren't malicious. They weren't hurtful. They weren't angry. They were honest. Can I ask you this? What if you allowed God to be honest in you and through you? How would that change your life? And then how would you be able to change others' lives around you? Paul didn't just speak to Timothy in this letter and say, you need to do this and you need to do he, Hey, man, you're a coward. You're, you're holding back on God. You're holding back. And because of that, people aren't getting fed properly. True grace doesn't just speak honestly, honesty. It speaks honesty with a purpose. When you're, on the, when, when you're on the receiving end of hearing grace and accepting and receiving that or hearing those hard, those hard things that aren't necessarily easy to hear all the time, let me ask you this. Do you allow yourself to stay open to it? Do you allow yourself to hear it properly? When you read the Bible, do you allow those words to be spoken to you properly? Not the way, and, and again, Christian, this is what we so desperately need to hear. Not the way you want to read it, but the way it actually reads and is received. I think, I've got to be honest, I think we missed that point. Listen, I, 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 got, I, took, I took some, uh, if you haven't watched a documentary on Hillsong lately, um, there's a Discovery Plus documentary on them, and, and it, it's, it's hard to watch as a Christian. It's, it's tough to see. It's, it's, it, it's tough to go by. It's, it's, it's difficult to see some of the stuff that went on and, and hear some of the stuff that went on. 
I think we have to objectively, as a church, as individuals, look and say, is there any truth of that in my life? Now, I may not be the power hungry. I've all, uh, I, uh, power hungry. I want to, I want to open nine thousand churches and have sixty million people. I want to have my songs sang in in the church every Sunday and and this, that, and the other uh, goal. Uh, I, my my love for God and I, I've I've understood this from our pastor and uh, you know just spending so long in ministry. But let me let me shoot you straight. I've never in my life had any desire to treat my church like a business. Never in my life. Are there business aspects to it? Sure, you have finances, you have, you, know, you have policies, procedures you have to put into place. But make no mistake, if you see, if one of the biggest things I saw from, from Hillsong, if you start to see church as a business, then you completely eliminate God's grace and saving power from the picture and you immediately stop trying to build disciples and start trying to build your own brand. There is nothing in this world that is, that is, more, that is more worthy of 100% of our attention every day than the grace of God. It will eliminate self. It will melt away at an alarming rate. It is like going closer to the sun. <laughs> It will melt away any, any self-loathing, self-desiring, self-deprecation, self-promotion that you can think of. And then it becomes contagious. People see it and they're attracted to it. They want to be a part of it. When you receive and you accept the grace of God, it shows. How many times have we tried to self-heal? Uh, I, I, had, I had a friend who um, asked me to go camping with him uh, a couple years ago. And if you know me, that's just it's not something I ever want to do. Um, why buy a tent when I have a perfectly good home um, and a bed that, you know, doesn't require, you know, pumping of air? It's camping for some people. I'm always afraid that I'm going to wake up with a snake on, you know, on, on my bed. And I, it's the most terrifying thing that I can think of. Um, but he was like, oh, I just need to find some self-healing. I just need to do this. I just need to uh, be more se self-aware of this. And I said, man, let me tell you, if you, if you have a past, can I, uh, let me just ask this in, in, in this moment. How many of us in this room will unashamedly say I have a past? I, I, the, <laughs> I, I've got a past, right? I've got a past that I, I'm ashamed of. I've got things that I haven't done, that, that I've done that I have zero desire to stand up and talk, here and talk to you about. Um, I, you know, I, I've, come to a, I've come to a realization that as I accept and I receive God's grace, man, over and over and over, if I try to heal myself, it will be a lifelong battle that I will fail at. And understand this, I will fail at every time. You, we, us, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his unwavering grace, because of the beating that he took, because of the blood that he shed, because he conquered death and rose again, aren't meant, aren't built, are commanded to let go of our past, give it to God, and move forward. You will never properly make an eternal difference to its full extent if you try and control your healing and forgiveness on your own. You can't do it. You're, you're imperfect. You're not, a, you're not the spotless lamb that came to save the world. Christian, it wasn't meant, and I, I felt like I said this the last time, you weren't meant to fight your own battles. You know why? Because 2,000, 10,000, 15,000 years later, however long it is, we get to say that the battle was already fought for us. And it was already won. We may have little wars here and there that, that we, get to, we, we have to fight, but we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
but of principalities, of, of the, dark, the, dark, the dark side. I've been watching the new Star Wars, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> Wait for a lightsaber to come out back or something. And get, guess what, Christian? If you haven't read your Bible, <laughs> the dark side loses at the end. It's already promised. So you want to know how I fight my battles? That I do my best to? By asking for God's grace to forgive me of all my sins. To make me new every single day. To say, God, I screwed up yesterday. You know why, how I screwed up yesterday? I didn't go to this new restaurant in downtown Springfield. I didn't get, this, this guy posted this new, this chef posted this new dish and I didn't, I didn't partake. And I, I just felt so, I, I was like, God, I know you're calling me to go there. I'm just, <laughs> I'll have it tonight. Um, nah, but, but I can think of 25 different ways. And that's, that's, just a, that's just what I can think of, not what actually happened, that I failed God. God's grace says, I want to make you white as snow. I want to wipe your slate clean every day. And I want you to walk with confidence knowing that through Christ, the difference you make isn't something that, it's the old adage, feed, teach a man to fish, feed him for a day. Or no, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. Understanding the complexities of grace and the deep ability that it has to free you from your past, your present, and your future makes all the difference. Trauma, hate, anger, self-loathing, self-deprecation, all a part of melting away. Why, do we, why should we accept and receive grace? Because then grace should be shown through everyone. Once you accept it and receive it, it's not meant to be, uh, you know, uh, hide it. Uh, what, what I, I'm drawing a blank on the old song. I haven't led worship in a while, so uh, the singing part. But uh, the light a candle under a bushel, don't blow it out, uh, or, or it'll go out. Your, your light. Yeah, there you go. The, the, uh, that'll be our invitation song. I'm just... Grace... Grace wasn't meant to be hidden. Grace is not meant to be kept to yourself. Let me ask you this. So I'm going to give you a really crazy, weird example, but I, I, I hope you guys can follow this. Have you ever had to admit something to yourself that you don't want to admit, but then in order to be able to move forward, you have to admit it to somebody else? Okay? I'm about to do that right now, and I'm not thrilled about it. I love sports, if you don't know. I love sports so much, I'm a baseball guy. I love fantasy sports so much that I'm in a fantasy baseball league. About 12 years ago, I, I, I have a, uh, uh, my, my best friend down in Missouri, John McRoy, I called him and was like, hey, I need one person for my fantasy football league. I need you to join me. Oh, I, I don't pay attention. I, 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 you know, I don't know a lot about sports. So I had asked him to... Uh, just join. I said, I'll teach you over time. I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Super easy, blah, 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 blah. First year he was there, he was, this guy was just terrible. If you know anything about football, I, <laughs> I'm a sales rep by trade, um, you know, outside of here. I sold him on trading me, um, the, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, Calvin Johnson, um, for a wide receiver named Titus Young. If anybody in here has heard of Titus Young, I would be shocked. The only reason I remember Titus Young is because of this trade. Titus Young was a Detroit line. He was a rookie that was drafted. Um, Titus Young had, in the first four games of the season, caught seven touchdowns and had, I think it was like 600 yards in those four games because Calvin Johnson was on his team. I needed a wide, uh, he needed a wide receiver. He didn't know any better, so I had conned him into trading me these, the, uh, this horrible trade. I, terrible. Calvin Johnson went on when this trade went through to break the single season receiving record uh, for wide receivers, and he was on my team. 
Titus Young, two days after the trade was processed between me and John, got arrested for weapons possession and never played football again. <laughs> so on top of it being a horrible trade, he had to even <laughs> he had to drop the player on his roster. John learned his lesson. Twelve years later, John, I, I can honestly say that John is better at fantasy sports than I am. That eats me alive. That irritates. He he has his strategy. He knows my strategy better than I know his strategy. He beats me all the time. Every matchup we had, we matched up, I think, three weeks ago, and he destroyed me. It wasn't even close. As I look at how that couples into grace, I see it in two ways. How are we made better by our struggles? If I don't admit my struggles, if I don't say God, and I don't come before the throne of God and say, God, I'm struggling with... I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with drugs. I'm struggling with porn. I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with sex. I'm outside of marriage. I'm struggling with, uh, you know, other people and, and, and how they worship God or how they, you know, how they don't show up or how they don't do this or how they don't do that. I, I struggle with it. If you never admit to God where your struggles are, how can you be, be made better? How can you be made a stronger Christian if you don't let the grace of God take those situations and say, God, I need your help? When you stand before the throne of God, what does it say? Cast all your cares on me, for, I, uh, for he cares for you. Christian, I've invested almost 20 years of my life at New Life. I, I, 18 years old, I, this church has seen me finish out my teenage years in a very immature fashion. Um, they've seen me become a man. They've mentored me. Uh, this, this church has seen me uh, become a husband, become a father, uh, has seen me take different jobs. It's seen me at my, my highest success in business, uh, the business world. It's seen me at my lowest and everywhere in between. I love New Life Church with all my heart. Every ounce of my being loves New Life Church. I have in my mind the way God wants me to serve, how I should be, how I, what I'm called to do. Where I struggle today, Christian, is when I don't see people with that same calling and that same, or that same level of commitment or that same desire or that same service in the way that I see fit. That causes strife in my life. Hey man, I, 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 know you, I know you wanted to get involved and run this ministry, but I haven't seen you in four months. So when you ask why your ministry isn't flourishing, you're not here to help it flourish. You're not here to be used by God. Hey Christian, you know, I, I, saw, I saw you, you know, I, I've seen you the past, the past few weeks not really sitting through the service. Is everything okay? Can I do something for you? Can I help you? Because, man, it's important. Hey, Christian, how about this one? I see you serving God all the time. I see you in, involved in so many ministries. Is there a ministry that you're involved in that maybe I can get involved in to give you a little bit of a break? No church can successfully be built when 10% of people are doing 90% of the work. God's grace says, I don't have to, listen, we're redoing our youth room. We had a great group of people come out yesterday and, and do some stuff that I, <laughs> I can throw stuff away with the best of them. When you're saying, hey, we've got to put up sheetrock, I'm like, oh, you want me to pick up off the ground and hold it? Uh, I, I, I had to call Jeremy and Jonathan a couple weeks ago so I had to change the battery in my car. And I was like, hey, um, I don't have the tools to loosen up the battery. Well, why not? Because uh, battery means electricity. And if New Life knows anything about Zach Chase, it's he shouldn't be allowed to deal with electrical products. Great. Fire's debatable. I just have to be responsible with it. Grace says two things to me. 
it's okay to say I struggle. Listen, if I want a good home-cooked meal with present company here, do you honestly think I'm going to try and do it myself with some of the friends that I have? If I can be honest, if I want the best home-cooked meal, man, I want to go get a nice steak. I want to get some prosciutto-wrapped rabbit. I want to do <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Grace to me says, hey, it's okay to say that there's somebody better that can do it or that can teach you. Let me ask you this. Do you allow grace so much to be so relevant in your life that it allows you to be teachable? That it allows you to learn from anyone? Grace should be shown through you. Grace being shown through you means when somebody has something valuable to teach you, you watch it. <laughs> you listen. At Xfinity, they called that listen, learn, act. You listen, you watch them, and you learn. My, my new job, I, I love my new job. Apple's like a dream job. It's, it's incredible. Um, I... I I've learned some valuable lessons. I've learned some really cool things. I've learned that it's utterly shocking and mind-blowing how many text messages reach 237 gigs. Uh, the um, manager that's there that got me, uh, that recommended me for the job and, and, and got me the job, uh, Molly, that's a member here, she, uh, we, we were going through a customer's phone and it wouldn't update. And uh, I said, I looked, I was like, oh, man, you guys got a lot of text messages through there. So we cleaned it up. And I was like, I, I posted it on Facebook. I was like, actually, I'm curious, you know, how much is, how much is a lot? That's because our, our good friend Molly blew my mind. I looked, and I was like, you have 237 gigs of text messages on your phone. I was like, that's more than most phones come with total memory built in and we, we had a good laugh and we joked and we, we researched. We both looked into it and learned from somebody else and they were like, oh, do you know how to eliminate a lot of text messages from your phone? Well, there's a setting in there where you can delete, it, uh, delete all your text messages 30 days after they come through. You can delete at the end of every year. You can do this or you can do that. And we listened. Man, one of my other favorite things to do was uh, is to go with Drew on his in-home dinner masterpieces. And, and I've told him time and time again, man, I, say, I get so much joy out of watching people live the proper way that God has called them to live. If you've never seen Drew, first of all, if you've never tasted Drew's food, um, Sunday lunch at Jackalope, uh, overflow goes to highbrow. But I challenge, I maybe put him on the spot, I challenge you, try and find a way to watch this man cook. Because it's not necessarily about what he's doing, it's about how he's doing it. There's joy, there's passion, there's peace, because he knows that that's what God, that's, <laughs> that's what God has given him, given him to reach this world for the lost to do. Through the pandemic, if you didn't know what, how he used his gifts to reach people, to feed doctors and nurses, firefighters, police, uh, policemen. Uh, he went out to, he, he, I mean, it's just crazy. I use that to say, man, what are you using to amplify the name of God? What gifts have you been given? Man, I don't care. I don't care if you're an Uber driver. You realize as an Uber driver, you have control of your radio and what gets played through your radio. The music coming from your radio can lead to conversations about salvation. And after all, go into the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things. It's the greatest command. That's, that's a great commission. It's what we're supposed to do. Being able to admit that somebody else can teach you or that you're not as good or that you're struggling allows grace to intercede and grow. Along those lines, I do, I, I do want to say this. Christians, biblical truth that I think we need to re-grasp in today's society is this, because I think all these famous 
churches that are popping up and everybody's on Facebook Live and everybody's on YouTube and IGTV and probably 15 other things that I, that I don't know about. Jesus didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors because he wanted to appear tolerant and accepting. He ate with them to call them to a changed and fruitful life, to die to self and live for him. His call, isn't, his call is transformation of life, not affirmation of identity. So many of us stop speaking biblical truth and it stops shining God's grace. We, lastly, we should be made better by grace. And I know this is a simple concept. This may not be earth shattering to you, but it was to me. I've been saved since I was four years old. I've grown up in church. I've grown up around it. I've been mentored by two great men in my life. I've had many other mentors throughout. I, I went through 11 youth pastors in high school um, that I'm blessed to now be able to be in contact with most of them and all the workers that they had in there. And, and God had, God's allowed them to help shape me uh, as well. But I have a question for you. When it comes to God's grace, why do you think he keeps giving it? We look at we fl fluffy churches, <laughs> pie in the sky churches, use guys like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Paul, to show God's grace and how you can overcome your past. What about David? What about Jonah? David was called a man after God's own heart, despite after was even called a man after God's own heart after he committed adultery, murder, lied, cheated. He was still after. What about Jonah? Jonah was called to go to Nineveh to save a nation. One man to, to, <laughs> one man to save a nation. Almost put other people in harm's way. Was in the belly of a fish for, for three days, five days, how, how, you know, however long. Went and then answered God's call. And then after God blessed him and used him to change an entire nation, he still sat down and complained. Yet God still showed him grace. Why? Why is grace an unending fountain that we can, we can go to that is there for us? I believe God's grace is supposed to make you better. It's not supposed to be an excuse to continually do, do the same things over and over. And, and, and how many times do we do that, Christian? Christians? Oh, we blame it on habitual sins. Oh, man, I, this is a besetting sin on me. My chains are, 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 the chains are too strong. No, well, the Bible has said if you are free in Christ, then you are free indeed. When you accept his gift of salvation, those chains of addiction can be broken. You can walk away from it. I, I've got a friend, uh, a friend I've known probably since about 10 or 11 right now uh, ten, uh, that, that struggled his entire life with addiction. And if you, if you pray for him, I won't say his name because he, he follows us on Facebook. And I don't want, don't want to do this. But you just pray, pray for a friend that right now is, is falling, for, all, you know, for lack of wor better words, he's fallen off the wagon. And, and he's gotten back into some pretty hard drugs. He's living on the streets right now. He's got two boys and a wife. He, he's struggling. His family, his family knows where he is. They talk to him. He just won't come home. It's got a strong grip. God's grace can, can, can free you from that. Human, human is, and, and I say that to say this, Christian, when you fall back into it, it's because you continually let go of, God, uh, of God's calling and grace and, and forgiveness in your life, and you try to move forward with your own path. 
you lose sight of what he wants for you because you've tried to do it on your own. No, let me ask you this. When's the last time you've struggled with a spouse, a child, a friend, or anything? You've come back to God and you've become sold out. Oh man, I'm at church all the time. I got involved in the media team. I spent 10 minutes in the kids ministry before I ran out instead of five. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I came to, I, I come to Wednesday night Bible study. I pray, I've been reading my Bible. Until I get back to life where, where, where I feel it needs to be. And then I suddenly don't have time for any of that anymore. Oh man, I have to, I have to work until five. Well, you've worked until five the past four months. How come you can't come to Bible study at seven o'clock anymore? Oh, well, I, I, I'm just, I just, we start to make excuses. Why? Because we've lined back up with the path that God wants us on. And instead of staying in God's grace and allowing his grace every day to be poured out on us, we begin to define grace in our own way. And we say, now that I've got my marriage back on track, now that I've got my job back on track, now that I've got my finances back on track, now that I've got my kids back under control, which if somebody knows how to do that, please tell me. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I finally got, I, I finally got, you know, uh, this, 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 and uh, back under control. Now, this is a powerful phrase. Now I'm ready to take control again. Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, where did taking control again get you last time? back to where you were before when you weren't allowing God's grace to permeate every aspect of your life, Christian. Life is never intended for you to take control again. God's grace says, maybe this, maybe this will speak life into some of you today. God's grace says, you don't ever have to take control again. How freeing is that statement? That statement, Christian, shouldn't stress you out. It shouldn't make you work. It shouldn't bring up things from your past. If it does, guess what? You are free from that because of the grace of God. I... I I have, there, there are questions, and, and I, 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 I'll, there are things, I'm going to skip over that one. You know what, no. There are things that I have asked about my upbringing. Things, things about people that were in important people's lives of mine growing up that didn't treat them so well. If I can be that general, I'm trying to piece this together. This, as a teenager, I found out some stuff. I, I found out some, some pretty crazy stuff, dysfunctional stuff. As I got older, I pieced some of it together. And I was like, well, if this person hurt you, why was I left alone? That bothered me. I, I had to sit down with my pastor, my dad, and I had to, he he had to walk me he had to walk me through that. Not because it was my dad, please. That was, he my dad, grace, kindness, love, never never punched me, never hit me. I deserved it. But uh, even when I filled his his wife's trunk of the car with about thirty street signs, but um, um, but I had questions about my past, about decisions that other people had made that then affected the way I saw things. I promise you, this, this phrase stuck with me. Zach, I don't have any of the correct answers for you. I'm not that person. What I can tell you 
is if you allow this to affect you going forward, you're going to stay in the past. You can't change that. Listen, I don't care if it's stealing a three musketeers or if it's, or if it's committing murder. If you have been freed from the bondage of sin, it's time to let that go and it's time to move forward. Grace does not want you to stay in your past. God's grace is not an excuse to feel better in the moment. Me and, my, me and our pastor have talked quite a bit. If you grew up in churches where they did altar calls, oh, I miss it. I have people come up, oh, I miss the altar calls. I miss being able to go down like, and, and pray in front of you, you know, pray at the altar. And I can show you scripture where that mentality is dysfunctional and not productive. Um, but I started asking why. And I, I don't know if you remember this conversation I had. Man, I, I, and I sent you a video. I sent our pastor a video. I'm pointing to him, but talking with you now, nobody else. But I sent him a video of a pastor explaining why his church doesn't do altar calls anymore. And I said, does this line up with what, what you think? And he said, it's spot on. Boom, hit the nail on the head. I don't want you to just feel better about what you did yesterday. The Bible says we should feel remorseful about sin, ask for forgiveness, and not feel better, feel forgiven in order to move forward for the kingdom of God. You will, uh, Satan will try and get in your mind and get you to feel bad time and time and time and time and time again about your sins, Christian. You were forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Grace upon you and you. Ringy dingy dingy. Grace is freely given to all. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it. You must allow it to embody every aspect of your life. If if you wonder, I, I, I debated this past week on our social media to post a, a graphic. This is 95% of Christians have never led somebody to Jesus Christ. If grace is not shining through in your life and you're not bringing friends, family, unbelievers, homeless Joe down the street that needs a savior and needs his life back on track to church... Or, to the, or, or showing him, him or her the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Where's the grace? Listen, I'm going to step out and speak this with as much grace as I can. I don't understand some of the movements going on today. It's beyond me. I, 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 don't, I don't get the trans, I, I don't... I don't get feeling like you're something else other than what God created you. I, I, I don't have that trauma. I don't have that upbringing. I don't have that background. But I do know this. If we don't treat them with grace, if we don't show, if we don't show love, it doesn't matter what they identify with if they're burning in hell. It is our job to not belittle them, but to show them grace and love and say, God is your identity. Your identity is not defined by you. You know why? Because even as a believer and a non-believer, it's flawed. You want to know what I identify with as? Number seven behind the plate, catching for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Hall of Fame career, walk-off Grand Slam to win the World Series. But here I am, a failure with my identity. <laughs> Somebody affirms my failures, that's great. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. 
My identity is not found in my successes or failures. My identity is not found on, on, on what I identify as. Their identity needs to be said, hey, listen, I don't, I don't, I want this to come out right. I really, really do. So if it doesn't, I'll just, I'm lined up with the door, so I'll just take off, all right? Our pastor can come up and pray. I don't care what you identify as. I want you to see that the Savior I believe in can make you whole, can forgive you of all unrighteousness, can change who you were and who you think you're going to be into what you were meant to be. And that's an eternal soul that echoes in eternity and makes an eternal difference. And I don't care if... If you wear weird clothes, listen, dude. I, 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 I'm not gonna. One of my, one of my good friends, Mary. We, we always call each other sis, sister and brother from a different mister. She's my sister from a different mister. We, we grew up with the same backgrounds. We saw the same stuff. Blah blah blah. I can say this: when she first came here, I was leading worship in a baseball jersey, and 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 they both told me this. She leaned over to her husband, and was like. I'll never lead worship in a jersey. Now I still haven't got her in a jersey, but I've got I've uh, but she leads worship in a t-shirt. You know why? Because she realizes her identity isn't in who she decides to be, but what God has called her to be. And the freedom that God, that God gives you may say I have to wear a suit and tie to church because that's what I have to do to best exemplify the grace of God in my life. But I'm not going to belittle the person that comes in in pajamas because that's all they can afford. Because they don't have money to go to the laundromat and wash their clothes. How shameful is it as Christians that we've accepted, received, and lived the grace of God in our own life but refuse to allow it to make us and others better. Grace, I believe, is the most important concept for us to change this world. As we close out, I ask you this. Where is your heart? Where is your mind? If I can be transparent one more time, Christians, I'm tired. I've never, I, I, I've, <laughs> life, life is life, right? I'm just tired. I'm ready and willing, if you are church, new life. To let the grace of God shine through this church, this building, this property, to where these seats are filled. This baptistry is constantly full. The building is ever expanding. Other churches are planted. And people are coming to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I resolve to you that the grace of God, the power of grace, has taught me that I'm ready right now to start unifying ourselves, becoming one mind, one body, one church, and doing our best, getting as creative as humanly possible with the exception of sin, to reach people for the love of God a brand that's sold in a store near you because I'm tired of seeing people dying and going to hell. Tired of going to work every day, seeing hopelessness in people's eyes. I'm tired of seeing people confused. I'm tired of seeing people hurt with no answer for the pain. We have the antidote, Christians. Get busy living 
or get busy dying. Let's pray. In the quietness of the moment, I thank you guys for the time you've given us and had given me, given God. I pray that you understand today that grace is not a tampering tool to make you feel warm and cushy inside. It's meant to bring you to your knees in front of the cross that is stained with the blood of Christ that gives you eternal hope and chance after chance after chance. This could be the moment that you need. My question today is, will you take it? With no one looking around, my first question is this, Christian, maybe non-Christian, question is to the non-believer. Are you here today? Maybe you wandered in with a friend or it's been a while or you've just come every day and you've put in some time and effort to come into church and get to know the Bible. But would there be anybody here today that has said, God, it's time for me to accept you as my personal Savior. In the quietness of the moment, there's nobody looking around. I just ask this, between me, you, and God, would there be anybody that say, I'm willing to raise my hand and say that's me. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. My next one is this. Christian, have you grasped grace? Do you utilize it properly? Do you see its full value? Or do you waste the best parts of your life by living for self? If I can pray for you, just raise your hand. I'll be praying for you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I just want to bathe new life in prayer right now. We're sitting in a room with a bunch of imperfect people, learning about a perfect God and his perfect grace. May you reveal it to us. May we see it. May we accept it. May we shine it. May we show it. May we practice it. God, I love you so much. I thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for the opportunity to learn. Thank you for the opportunity to grow and challenge. Will you continue to challenge us? <laughs> God, will you continue to comfort and teach us and guide us? May we stay within your path. May we make a difference. Love you so much. Thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name, amen.